This is the Unstoppable Podcast, where we are dedicated to bringing you comprehensive insight into the ways and purposes of God. We hope this podcast will encourage, equip, and empower you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits. As you realize your potential, you will join a dynamic group of passionate people who are actively bringing the unstoppable power of heaven into the darkest places on earth. Here is your host, Justin Self. Today we are continuing our series on the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. But today I am not alone. I have with me a very, very special guest. And I know that this is going to be an incredible episode because of who I have with me today. Um, But before I introduce this amazing woman of God, uh, I want to encourage you, if you haven't listened to the last episode from Joy to the Nations International, where we had Joy and Jen on the podcast uh, from Honduras with the chickens in the background and everything, you know, uh, I really encourage you to check that out. we we I did we did a couple series we did a couple episodes on baptism of the Holy Spirit speaking in tongues um, teaching and then it was a perfect segue into Joy and Jen's uh, they had a, they just brought a teaching they brought the Word of God on how to hear God's voice and how to listen and how He speaks and they shared some amazing stories of their lives as missionaries in Honduras for so many years and so I just wanted to encourage you to check that out please download it. And please also check out their website and, uh, you know, and, and click the links that I have on, the, on, on our website and all that and, and check them out. Um, and please consider giving to them because these people are uh, absolutely amazing. Boots on the ground. They are living it, man. They are, I mean, they're on an island with witchcraft and everything else you can imagine. And man, they're just seeing the gospel press forward. So I highly encourage you, if you haven't listened to that episode, please check it out. Enjoy it to the Nations International. Uh, they're awesome. So anyway, now today... I have with me Val Unverzat of the House Northwest in Vancouver, Washington. Along with her husband, Mike, uh, Val has really, uh, Val and Mike have spearheaded some amazing things in Vancouver. They have been around the block. She told me that this is her 35th, 35th year in full-time ministry, and she's still going. I mean, they are still going, man. They have seen it come and go and they have seen things happen. They have seen some incredible things and also some incredibly gnarly things in all these years of ministry. Um, Mike, uh, I mean, I don't know their whole story, to be honest. I'll have to ask, I'll have to ask you later, Val. But anyway, what I do know is that uh, I, know, I know Mike was a full-time evangelist, uh, traveling evangelist for a while, and he has uh, just a gift on his life um, for supernatural healing. And man, he, he, he's seen some amazing thing. He's seen um, people with, uh, with AIDS healed. He's seen leprosy disappear. And I mean, right before his very eyes um, in some of these other countries and things where, where those things are still going on. And uh, uh, really Mike and Val have introduced me to a whole new level of um, a relationship with God that goes beyond the four walls of the church. Um, I mean, for crying out loud, they, uh, they had a church and a bar for years and years, you know, they just come down here and they planted a church in Vancouver, Washington in 2005. And I believe one of the first things they did was plant a church in a bar on Sunday mornings and just preach the gospel to people there, you know, and it just was powerful. And these, uh, so, so, so Mike and Val are, are very outward oriented, um, you know, uh, ministry to the nations and doing things. And so it's been awesome. And of course they're inward oriented. They, they build people. I will, I want to say that about them. They build people. And I'm a product of that. The reason I am where I am today is because I had an encounter with the Lord at their church because they were listening to the Holy Spirit and allowing him to do what he wanted to do in their life. And so uh, incredible. So I just wanted to encourage you that, uh, you know, we talk about Unstoppable and I haven't mentioned the vision in a while. I probably should mention that, but (laughs) the vision of Unstoppable is to equip, to encourage and empower others to pursue their God-given calling and live a life without limits. And really, Mike and Val embody that in human form. And I just know that you're going to be so encouraged today from this podcast. Um, I know we're going to talk about some great things. And uh, man, it's just going to be awesome. It's going to be fun. It's going to be serious. Um, And so Val, please, uh, let's do this. Let's talk about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in other tongues. And I would just, we would just love to know what you've been thinking about the subject. I've been thinking some great things about this subject. Really? So... I have, um, I, I taught 
a, a class, a college level class, me, I did that. Yes. Um, on the century of the Holy spirit. Okay. And it was a based, it was the, the, the text that we used in the class was, uh, by Vincent Sinan, by the same name, the century of the Holy spirit. And it was basically, um, how we got to the, the full gospel, uh, uh, families in, in the kingdom. We didn't have that prior to the 1900s. Now, now, uh, God was still doing things through people and people were still moving in the things of the spirit and people were still, you know, there, there was still what they called glossolalia. There's your King James uh, term. Right. People were speaking in tongues. Speaking in tongues. And there were gifts of the spirit. The, the, the main issue is, is that um, spiritual leaders, the big guys, Augustine, Calvin, uh, Martin Luther, uh, the Catholic Church, the Eastern Church, uh, all of the, there was a lot of uh, not under, non-understanding. And when we don't understand something, many times our immediate reaction is that's not God or that's not, we, we try to explain it away. Uh, and so th- basically it was Augustine. And so, as a, it, it, again, I'm, I'm going back a little bit historically over this. Um, there were times when there were no churches that actively had people pursuing the baptism in the Holy Spirit as laid out in the book of Acts, specifically, uh, you know, beginning in the, in the beginning, Acts chapter 1, 2, uh, but but laid out in the book of Acts, there there were nobody was pursuing that. Uh, they were not pursuing being baptized in the Holy Spirit for the purpose of being powerful witnesses. But then the evidence of that was speaking in, as Paul put it, either the tongues of men or the tongues of angels. Now you're a scientist. You like to break it down and it's fascinating to me. And my husband loves you with everything, but it's just like, he's like, whatever. <laughs> What's the score of the Seahawks? <laughs> but, mm-hmm. but, uh, but, but for, for me, it's logical. Tongues is completely logical in a Christian's prayer life. It's, it's it our speaking the will of God into existence through either the tongue of men or angels, Paul said, pray in the spirit and with understanding. And we don't have all the understanding on what to pray, but it has to come out our pie hole. Mm -hmm. It has to, it has to come out of the mouth of believers on this planet. And that's how much power we have through, through Christ and in Christ. So I've been thinking a lot about this. Well, so have I. Um, and again, I've been on, like I mentioned, I've been on those Billy Brim calls and mm-hmm. that's something that's really been highlighted lately. It's like, she's telling us stories about how people that she's hearing all over the world are like, Hey, we really feel like we need to be praying in tongues more as a church. Like we, as the body of Christ need to be praying in the spirit more. And we're, and I mean, I'm feeling that before I even heard that. And it's like, oh, okay, cool. Like, I'm not the only one. Um, but like you're saying, uh, I don't know how to pray over the, the, the government right now. I don't know how to pray over all these things in my mind. I don't know how. But thank God for the Holy Spirit. We can pray in tongues and pray out the perfect will and the mysteries of God. Um, and I think for me, it's just becoming a more, it's just more of a revelation now than it ever has been before. And I mean, I've been walking in it. Uh, now for nine years, you know, <laughs> oh my gosh. And, uh, you were there nine years. It's been yeah, nine well, years. I, yes. We, yes. Believe that's that? awesome. That's awesome. So it's just cool. Cause it's, it's becoming more of a revelation to me now. Like it's almost like I'm looking at tongues now and I'm like, 
I don't know anything about speaking in tongues. I mean, I've been speaking in tongues for nine years, <laughs> but I'm like, I don't know anything about it now. I just feel like there's so much more that the Lord is, is opening up, especially in this hour. You know, my, my, my prayer mentor who moved to heaven, uh, my prayer mentor, Judy, um, this is her Bible. I've got her Bible here today. Um, people are listening, can't see that, but I've got her Bible. And, uh, you know, she she was able to get into the presence of God uh, just very. I, and when I say that, the presence of God is always with us. We have to be careful of our vernacular because sometimes it really gets people off course. Judy could connect with God and what the his flow was and what flow he wanted her in very quickly. For some people, it takes a long time. Uh, I don't know. And I know, you know, some people, maybe they just need, I don't know, but she was able to just, I mean, connection there. And the thing I love about just discussing this whole subject of tongues is that you don't have to be a perfect person. The man who brought this part, you know, a big part of the revelation in America, which predated the uh, Azusa Street Revival, was Charles Fox Parham. Yeah, cancel culture would have gotten him real quick these days because he was a card-carrying member of the KKK. Hmm. And uh, in the culture of that day, Daddy Seymour, who even in the secular a world of counting the, you know, the African-Americans, the top 100, Daddy Seymour, you know, William Seymour is actually over Martin Luther King. He actually hits the list before MLK. And I don't know if that's because of his age or, you know, because he was here before. I don't know what that was, but he influenced the world. MLK, Martin Luther King Jr., he influenced the world, absolutely. But the way that the that uh, Daddy Seymour influenced the world, and it, it's it's fascinating to me that once that move began in the United States, and and I encourage anybody listening to get the the Century of the Holy Spirit by Vincent Sinan. Vincent Sinan, I believe, is Assemblies of God, and uh, the Assemblies of God has a lot of the records, and there's a lot of truth in that book that is mm -hmm. so powerful. And uh, goes right up into the latter rain movement, and I, I mean, like the, the, I mean, just all the names, all the names you've ever heard that, all the way through John Wimber, and and I do think it leaves out Lonnie Frisbee, which is not right, but but uh, we were at a Heaven Come conference, and, and we heard we, the, the record was prepared or was repaired there, but anyway, I I just I feel I feel like understanding this is not hard. And people say, well, it's just goofy or it's weird or I've prayed and it hasn't happened. And, and we, we just have to be able to uh, teach it correctly out of the word of God, the word's very clear on it, and then use it. You know, Dad Hagen used to pray in tongues every morning at 4 a.m., just laying in bed very quietly, wouldn't wake up Aretha, just lay in bed. And that that kind of, I, I lay in bed in the morning, and I just, you yeah. know, I got about 45 minutes to an hour. Yeah. And I know I'm doing the work of God. I mean, I am moving freight. Yeah. I have faith in it. Yeah. So, anyway... Tell me about, um, let's talk about, well, we'll talk, we'll talk about, but let's talk about our first experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit and having that evidence of our prayer language of speaking in tongues happen. Of course. Well, and of course, you know, you've been uh, in the ministry much longer than I have, and you've been speaking in tongues much longer <laughs> than I have. And so here I come, you know, I'm a Nazarene boy, you know, Woo! and had been, hey, praise the Lord, had been walking, uh, not, not with the Lord, you know, for, for several years. Um, and really I think when I, when I had moved out at 19 years old, I, again, this is my testimony, but I won't go too deep into it too much, but, mm -hmm. um, you know, I believed, I believed the Lord was, was real, right? I believed God. I believed in the Holy spirit. I believed in the, um, inerrant word of God. 
And that was the best thing mm -hmm. I, from my whole life. I just was, I know the word of God is real. I know your grandmother and I know your parents. Of course you did. Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, and so, I mean, I, I, I won, I don't know if you know this. I won uh, regional quizzing, children's quizzing championships <laughs> <laughs> on like knowledge of, of the Bible. I, I actually, uh, I think I, I had a perfect season and there's only one other person in the entire region that had a perfect season on these Bible quizzing tournaments. Wow. And they offered me like the scholarship to go to Texas and go to school or do something. I don't remember, but I turned it down because I didn't want to move. And I was like 12, but <laughs> I knew that like I knew the Bible and I had really established this fact that the Bible was absolutely 100% the word of God. Now, when I was 19 and I moved out and I did things, I walked away from my relationship with the Lord, but not entirely. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And so here mm -hmm. I come to this charismatic church and I'm like, okay, what is this about? Who are these people? <laughs> meeting meeting in an old basketball uh, gym the hoops place. Yeah. And we had no, in our area, we had no heat or air conditioning. No, that big old cold, it felt like a warehouse, but there's basketball hoops that were like turned up and I'm thinking, what is going on in here? And, and yet... And yet these people are so happy. They're so full of joy, you know, and then, but then they fall over and they're praying in tongues and what on earth is going on? So my little mind was just, <laughs> I didn't know what to think. And I just remember, uh, you know, really connecting with you guys there, uh, really in a time of hurt for me. It was a really hard time for me in my life. I was in the middle of a very deep depression. And so I started coming and really what it was is it wasn't that you, I don't remember many of the words that you guys preached. I don't remember what Mike, Mike's messages were on, but what I do remember when mm -hmm. I came to that church was the power. There was actual power mm. there. When I came, there was a physical presence that I had never felt before. It was the presence of the Holy Spirit in such a degree, I had never experienced that in my life before. And so, you know, again, the kingdom of God is not in word, but in power. I came as a lost, mm -hmm. messed up kid, man, and I came in and there was power. And so I, it, I stuck around for that reason. And so I remember it wasn't very long until you guys, you and Mike started talking to me about tongues and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Mm -hmm. And so what I did, I went straight to my Bible, this Bible right <laughs> here, you know? That you know really, really well. <laughs> well, and honestly, I didn't know it half as well as I thought I did. But I get in there and I knew, I knew that in the book of Acts, they spoke in tongues. And so I got into the book of Acts and I just started looking into it. And I, all, you guys were using scripture and you guys were saying things about the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in tongues. And I didn't, again, I didn't, I, I didn't have unbelief in that area as far as like, well, I choose not to believe that. I'm going to stay away from that because of this, that, and the other. Mm -hmm. Thankfully, I had never had a mountain of teaching that said, oh, tongues is of the devil or tongues is evil and wrong. I, I never had any of that. We just didn't mm -hmm. talk about it. It was just, you know, error of mm -hmm. omission. We just didn't talk about it. And so mm -hmm. to me, it was a completely new concept, um, something that had been overlooked. But I knew enough that, hey, if it's true, it's in the word of God. And so I just went to the word and I looked up the scriptures that you guys had given me on the subject. And uh, I convinced myself through reading the Bible, not through any other teaching, not through anything. I had, I just, like you said, I put a scientific lens on, looked at the word and I proved, I said, this has to be true because the Bible says it in so many different places. All these things line up. The, the, the scripture is telling us that, that praying in tongues is for believers today. And so I had that in the back of my head and I was like, well, I, I think this is it. Well, what happened for me is, and again, everybody's experience in the baptism of the Holy Spirit is different. But for me, what happened is I, I came forward at church one night and Mike laid his hands on me and I felt the urge, you know, I almost felt this overwhelming urge to fall over. But in my head, I'm like, I don't want to fall <laughs> over. That's crazy. That's what these crazy people do, you know? <laughs> and I didn't realize it was, here's the thing. I see these people falling over and I thought that it was like, they were up there, power of God hits them, they have no control, they're done. You know, and so I kind of expected if that were to ever happen to me, it would be like that, where I would have no control. Well, I didn't expect that when I went up there and Mike would lay his, lay his hands on me, that I mm -hmm. I felt like almost this overwhelming urge to, to yield to this crazy power that was coming through, but I didn't yield to it. I just was like, mm -hmm. no, I don't want to fall. I don't, this is, this, is, this is too much for me. And so I stopped and then it stopped. And then, so I, I actually came up to Mike multiple times over the last, over, over several weeks and he laid hands on me at the front of the church service every night after church, every single night, you know, just for a, a touch from the Holy Spirit or a touch mm -hmm. from the Lord or whatever. And every night the same thing would happen. I would just feel the electric tingly. I just would feel the power <laughs> of God come on me. And I would feel such joy rise up on, on my insides, but I wouldn't yield. And so finally, 
one night, finally, this was like rock bottom of my life, really bad week, the whole thing, depression, you know, suicide, the whole <laughs> thing. I walk up there again and Mike looks at me and he, and he must have known because he looked at me and he's like, come here. <laughs> like he just looked at me and he's like, you come here. Cause, so he'd, he'd laid, laid his hands on me 10, 10 times by now. But he must have known. Mm-hmm. And so I go up there and I just was like, I'm, I'm yielding to the Holy Spirit tonight. I'm yielding to the Lord. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care how weird it is. I just, I need more of God. I have such a hunger for more of God. I don't care. So I get up there. He lays hands on me. He barely, I don't even know if he touched me. He just barely touched me. And boom, there mm-hmm. I go on the floor and I'm laying there and I'm like, okay, I just fell. Now I'm a weirdo. <laughs> I don't even believe in this. What <laughs> am I doing? Weirdo club, just, I know. Justin. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. And honestly, I was laying there and I'm like, okay, this is, this is weird. Like God's doing something. I knew it was the Lord. I knew it was the Lord. It was so much power and just so, such a good experience in the Lord. And I just remember laying there and I'm like, okay, this is amazing. What do I, what do I do? No one, no one tells you what to do when you're laying on the floor. And I just felt the Holy Spirit <laughs> speak to me. And he just said, speak in tongues. And I'm, my, my thought was, how, you know, how do you do it? Cause I was, I was ready. I had read the scriptures. I had studied mm-hmm. the scriptures. I heard what you guys were talking about. I got into the word of God myself and I, it was like, ugh, the word, the word is true. It absolutely is true. And he just goes, <laughs> this is what he says to me. He says, just do it. <laughs> That's how the yeah. Holy Spirit is with me. It is. It is. It's just do it. It is. You know, my, um, my experience. And so just, you know, people that are listening might hear both of these experiences. And of course, Justin, again, you're the the man of study. I know I was, okay. So here's my background real quick. I was raised in a cult, Christian science, right? I didn't know. I had a second book you always had to bring to your gather. I don't know what you want, with. <laughs> but, uh, it's, it's, and they're, they're losing, they're losing steam big time. I mean, if you want to buy property, go buy a Christian science church because they're for sale everywhere. But, um, so I got, I got born again. I was at a dark time in my life and, um, I was really into drugs and, and I wasn't really raised in a Christian home. I was, I was raised by good people, generous people, loving people. My parents had gotten divorced, but, um, as I, uh, journeyed in my life, God intersected it and, uh, he intersected it with some people and they were, he actually intersected it was with a group of people that had always been there. And uh, I lived right next door to Butterfield Chapel on the grounds of Northwest Bible College. And when I was a kid, it was Northwest Bible College. Now it's Northwest University. I'm not quite sure. Well, anyway, we'll just keep going. But anyway, um, they, uh, and and I, I was babysat by these incredible women, young gals, when I was a kid. I mean, my dad would go over to the college. He knew the president. Um, They were friends. Uh, My dad was not a Christian. They all knew it. But uh, he he would give my dad a list of, if you and Sally want to have, you know, someone watch Valerie, Mm. then then here's a list of our gals that would be happy to come over to your house and have to go very far. But anyway, and the dean of the students is is actually someone uh, I went to his church and that's where I got saved hmm. and today Jack Roselle is my pastor still is my pastor today oh, and cool. uh, but but so this is what I was born again into and immediately because you know I'm a doer you know if there's something to be done Val will get up and do it so uh, I love that but I, I started working yeah just you know, who cares? You're not equipped. You don't know what you're doing. It's okay. Just that, do that's it why anyway. we, we always got along so well. We do get along. <laughs> that's right. Let's, you know, I've got an inflatable building and all its blow up things in our garage right now because we just go. We don't have any place to dry it out. We can't use it yet because we don't have a place to dry it out. We'll ruin it. God's going to give us a place to dry it out. We got to have a, we got to have our own building. But the, um, but I, I went to a, I started working with the youth group. I didn't know anything. This was back in the day. If you had a pulse, they'd let you work with teenagers. So I went and worked with these teenagers and I went to a youth convention. The Assemblies of God would have youth conventions. And I don't even know who was speaking, but I, at about two o'clock in the morning, I was in a room with all these junior hires and a gal named Rhoda and they laid hands on me. I just knew this was a thing. I just knew that there was this lady in the church that would speak up during the service in a language. It didn't freak me out. I didn't, I didn't look, 
I didn't know. They laid hands on me and it was like electricity shot through from my head to my toe. And, you know, I said, the Bible says, it said, you know, you will be baptized in the Holy Spirit. And they begin to speak in other foreign languages. This is Acts chapter 2. They were all filled, diffused throughout their souls, mind, will, and emotion, with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other different forms. This is the, uh, by the Amplified Version, different foreign languages as the Spirit kept giving them clear and loud expression in each tongue in appropriate words. Wow. Uh, gave, the King James says, gave them utterance. Yes. This utterance. says expression. Yeah. Uh, and I, the way I simplify it is that when you went to Spanish class or French, they told you what the words were. They, it, to learn language, you have to be able to hear. Now, I will say this. You don't hear through your human ears. I don't believe when the Spirit gives you utterance, you hear through your spirit ears. Because no one is ever um, discounted because they can't hear. Um, I have a, a little sweet boy in my life, and he he uh, is completely deaf. Mm-hmm. And I have no, I don't do ASL very well. His mom tries to teach me. I pretty much forget re- right directly. But um, but he could. It, you hear. You have spiritual ears, and so the spirit gives you utterance. I had one word, and off of that, I built my prayer language. So they laid hands on you. They did. They, I got one word. One word came yeah. out. Yeah. Now, yeah. I'm not saying that the Holy Spirit didn't have more words because that language is already set. There are only about, I don't know, you could tell me that I'm going to say there's only about 10,000 languages in the earth right now, but hundreds of thousands have passed away. There's a lot of languages we don't speak anymore, a lot of dialects not spoken anymore. You even read on the, you know, the, 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 the the BBC and things like that, they'll say, this is a language and only two people speak it. And when they die, you know, no one will know the dialect. We hear that all the time. There are, Paul said in 1 Corinthians 14, there are tongue of, tongues of men and angels. Angels. Mm-hmm. That's a whole, we need to do a podcast on angels because I've seen a couple that have just been wild. But anyway, yeah, tongues absolutely. of men and angels. There, there are dialects that are not, spoken, but God knows those languages. Those people, there are people that spoke those languages, they're in heaven. Those languages will be praising the Lord, like it says, when that sea of people are praising the Lord, those languages, those dialects mm-hmm. will be used. So I had one word. That's what I that's what I spoke. Again, you said something very important, yielding. Yeah. God does not force us to do anything. God, it's there. I always say to people, this is how I say it to people. I always say, what's your favorite store at the mall? Uh, and someone will say, well, yeah. And I'll say, well, let's just go with Nordstrom because isn't that fabulous? If I were to go there and I were to spend $1,000 on you and have it all gift wrapped, you wouldn't have to beg me for that. That is something, obviously, that amount of effort and expense was done with a de- great desire to give this to you. You don't have to beg me for it. It's there for you. You just have to receive it. You just yeah. have to receive this gift. This gift is already there. It's just in the receiving. It's just like salvation. Yeah, it is. It's, it's, for, it's for the receiving. We receive it just like we receive any other, all... Uh, Paul said in the book of Ephesians, or Peter, something, (laughs) every spiritual blessing, every spiritual blessing. We have every spiritual blessing. Yeah, that was Ephesians 1, yeah. Yeah, in heavenly places. We have, it's all there for us. Yeah, it is. And it's there for the receiving. And what keeps us from it? Well, uh, not, sometimes it's not understanding, sometimes it's not yielding. Uh, sometimes it's uh, not believe, you know, not believing that we're loved enough. There's a, right. there's a host of things, and God knows what each person needs to go through 
and what will help them. I will say this, and I need to be very clear on this. A lot of times we use the term filled with the Holy Spirit for people that are baptized in the Holy Spirit. I, I know that we don't mean that people that aren't, that don't, that's, I know we, we're not meaning that people that don't speak in tongues aren't filled with the Spirit because that's not possibly true. When we, when we are born again, when we receive Jesus, we are a finite cup mm-hmm. on this earth that can have the Spirit in us. What did Paul say? Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled, cram-packed with the Spirit every day. Yeah, That's our job to continually uh, connect with God and be meditating on the Word. And that every believer can do that. But this, this thing, and this is the way I've done it before, is I take a shot glass and I say, okay, this is the human. And, and so we're doing this I'm such a children's pastor. It's all got to be with an object lesson. <laughs> Thank God. But if you were to have a shot glass, which I think is a pretty universal thing to the people that will be listening to this, and you were to fill it, that's a human. Born again human, filled with the Spirit. You fill it with the water. You fill it with, I don't care what you fill it with. Well, God, well, you might, because you know some people might not want to fill it with certain things. But anyway, fill, let's just say we fill it up with water, sure. and it's filled to the brim. And that's what a believer is. Every believer has the Holy Spirit. Yeah. Every believer yes. has the Holy Spirit. Yes. But you take that and take a 55-gallon barrel and take that shot glass and you fill that barrel's filled with water. And yeah. that barrel is sitting outside with a hose in it. And it's just, and you take that shot glass and you dunk it in there because the word baptismo yes in the greek means to put in yep when you baptize someone with water which you have been baptized in water justin other people and we have to pull you out because if we just do the word baptismo you'll die we have we have to do the whole raising you know yep. you died to your sin you came that's a good thing that god gave those instructions because the greek word just means to put in so when you think of being baptized in the holy spirit so you take that little shot glass and you put it in that 55 gallon is that is that thing ever going to run dry and jesus had the spirit without measure and i've heard pastors say this well you know jesus had the spirit without measure and as a Baptized in the Holy Spirit believer, I have it without measure as well. Amen. It's only that it's only my lack of understanding that holds me back. My lack of yielding that holds me back. That's the only thing. I want to make a point on just what you said. So in John chapter four, Jesus is talking mm-hmm. to the woman at the well. Remember? Mm-hmm. And he's mm-hmm, when he mm-hmm. talks to her, he, he's explaining the initial. Let me read this. Let me read this to you. But this is talking about. Um, the initial experience of being born again. If you're not familiar with this story, read read read, read um, John chapter four. But this is Jesus comes to a well, and there's a woman there, and they have this conversation, mm-hmm. and she ends up being born again and witnessing to people. But listen to this. It's in this verse mm-hmm. thirteen. It says Jesus answered her and said unto her, Whoever drinks of this water, talking about the physical well of water, will thirst again. Fourteen. But whoever mm-hmm. drinks of the water that I shall give him will never thirst. But the water that I shall give him will become in him. In him, mm-hmm. a fountain of mm-hmm. water springing up into everlasting life. He's talking about when you're born again, you receive the Holy Spirit and it becomes in you yep. a fountain of water. Now, let me let me compare this. Okay, so th- that's the born again experience. The Holy Spirit does come in and do a work and it becomes a well of water, a wellspring of life. Mm-hmm. Isn't that right? Mm-hmm. Isn't that such a good description of mm-hmm. the Holy Spirit when we're born again? It's a wellspring of inner life. Now, I want to compare that so just a few chapters later in John chapter seven, and, and tell me and tell me about that. You know where I'm going with this. Yeah, I do. Jesus stands up. It says, on the last day, the great day of the feast, this is John chapter seven, verse 37, great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly will flow rivers yep. of living water. Now, before I read yep. verse 39, there's a difference here between rivers of living water flowing out of someone's belly 
as opposed to a well of water that's on your inside, right? There's yep. a well of water on the inside yep. that you can draw yep. from and drink from, and it produces life yep. for you in your personal life. It produces life and goodness. I mean, the Zoe life of yep. God, the overabundant, it does produce those things from the inside. But look here, rivers of living water, that's different, isn't it? Than a well. Yep, it is. They're different. Now listen, it says, he says, out of his belly will flow rivers of living water, verse 39. But this he spoke concerning the Holy Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive, for the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. Now, let's let's pin this because it says, uh, out of their out of their inmost out from their innermost being. Okay, so there was a study, Mr. Scientist, I think you know, I'd be able to talk to you about this. University of Pennsylvania, Philadelphia. Are you talking about the glossolalia studies? Yeah, when they, when they, they did the th- thousand people, it was in like Time Magazine. Okay. I'm not sure which university, but yeah. It was one of those big, big, important people, lots of money, lots of endowments, whatever. Um, but they did this study. And here, here's, the, here's the thing. The, 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 in the Azusa Street Revival, whenever the people have gotten baptized in the Holy Spirit, or many times, I would say, I won't say whenever, but most of it, if you go look at, Pastor Hagen's meetings, you know, we all want diversity, don't we? And, and the church, I mean, I, I remember going to Second Baptist for a funeral in, in, uh, up in Everett. First Baptist is this big white building down in the middle, and it's just big and amazing. And then there's Second Baptist. Well, I'll just say Second Baptist is not looking like First Baptist, and it's a church full of, you know, African-Americans. I mean, I was there, there was three of us that were white at this funeral, the Caucasian. And uh, so now I'm not putting down the Baptists, so, you know, send your letters someplace else or your emails. But what I'll say is, is that when you look at Dad Hagen meetings, when you look at Kenneth Copeland meetings, when you look at a lot of the faith people and a lot of the vineyard movement, all of that, you see massive diversity back in the like 70s when we and 80s when we wore really ugly clothes and women's hair was just horrible. But you know, you look at his meetings and there were as many, and sometimes in the shot on the stage, there were more people of color mm-hmm. than there, than, I mean, than there were sure. Caucasian people. Yeah. I, Dad Higgins trying to hand off the microphone and most of the guys that are getting handed are, you know, Leroy Thompson and Keith right. Elder. And, you know, I mean, uh, you know, the, uh, these amazing men of God that happen to have more melanin in their skin than us. Yeah. That's diversity. And who brought that about? Daddy Seymour was a one we were blind in one eye, African-American, amazing man, and he ministered to the poor. And so this study that they did, a lot of people think that, well, you know, these, these people are just uneducated. These, these tongue talkers are just uneducated people. You're going to prove them wrong, aren't you, Justin? Amen. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> um, and all these you know, these at the Azusa Street Revival, you saw the 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 women, the the pe- women laying hands on on people. You saw uh, 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 the poor, the uneducated, the washerwoman, the the guy that drove. You know, d- d- the drivers, the 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 chauffeur. The, you know, the people that worked for the folks. They worked for the rich people, and then the second wave was the all those congregationalists and Baptists and all these other denominations of people that wanted more of God. And then they went back to their churches and they got kicked out. You know, you look at this move of God. And so anyway, in this study, they looked at the poor, they looked at those that were, you know, uh, uh, the, the people that just, you know, they, they just, they, I guess they just don't count as much to some Mm -hmm. folks, but it doesn't matter who you are. 
Yeah. Doesn't matter who you are in Christ, Jesus always levels the playing field. The last shall be first and the first shall be last. Anyway, they did this study and they showed that of a thousand people that they studied, like the people that spoke in tongues were emotionally more stable than the ones that didn't. And then they did the EEG yep. thing. Yep. And the frontal lobe, I guess, or yep. whatever, wherever it is that our yep. language frontal comes lobe. from, it did not light up when the person spoke in tongues. And they said over and over again, it comes from someplace else, an innermost being. And did you know that when they, well, I just want to add that, they would do, of course, they would do a control, right? That's what you would do, mm -hmm. you know, when scientists, you, you do a control, you know? And so they mm -hmm. would have the person pray in their native tongue, English, whatever that may be. And of course, they, the frontal lobe would light up because that's the language center. So they would watch it and mm -hmm. say, okay, this person is praying. And they would even go as far as to say, okay, pray inwardly, quietly, but pray in your natural language. Just do a thought to God. Give him a prayer from, from inside. Frontal lobe fired. It was being created wow. from the language center of the person's natural brain. Now, when they prayed in, in tongues, frontal lobe does not fire, but the parietal lobes lit up, which indicated Ooh. to them that the information was actually being received. There was information being received, but it was not being given through the frontal lobe. Check that out. Wow. So they, they actually conclusively said information is being received. They are speaking out some language. We can hear it, but it's not coming from their language center. And, you know, the, the Episcopal pastor in, in Seattle, and his name is escaping me at this moment, he did a lot of studies. Uh, God love our Anglican brothers, man. They, they, they just don't, they don't get afraid of anything. And he, uh, he was a part of that, I think, the, in the end of the, maybe the Lateran. I, I don't, uh, I actually know people that were related to him. Mikey actually took a class from a, a nephew of his by marriage. But anyway, uh, he went and took recordings of tongues, people speaking in their language of prayer their Holy Spirit, in the Spirit, pray in the Spirit, as Paul said. And it was a real language. They took it to the University of Washington. They're official, right? You know, and they took oh, yeah. it to the language center and they said, we don't know what this language is. Maybe they did have some, I know my husband has spoken in Hebrew and people have confirmed that. Um, I know that we've had a young woman speak in Shoshone language, the Shoshone language, Native American, and that it, it has been confirmed by someone who knows it. Um, I know of people, I know of a woman who spoke in the, the uh, tongue of the Zulu tribe in Africa. I don't know if that's what they call it, so I, I, I claim ignorance on that, but she actually spoke in that tongue, and there was a man from Norway that was unsure about the full gospel part, you know, first Corinthians 12 and, and all those other verses and chapters. And, uh, he, but he heard this, the, this message in, in, in tongues in a meeting and he's a Christian. Mm -hmm. And he said that, and he looked around and all these people didn't have enough dark in their skin to make a cappuccino. And yet this woman is speaking in a language and she'd never been to Africa. Right. And it, it made him, a, I call it being a, more of a believing believer. It just we, we go to levels, new levels of believing. We learn new things. And every day, you know, a person who is growing in Christ will learn new things. And uh, so anyway, that, it's just, it's fascinating stuff. It's fascinating stuff. And I just thank God for, I thank God for being able to pray in the spirit on every occasion and praying with understanding. I think it makes our under, I personally believe it make, it helps my understanding be more fruitful. So. So let's talk a little bit about um, I, our experiences were, I, there's a lot of people that are hung up on tongues and there's, there's, a numer there's numerous reasons and we could go through all of mm -hmm. those reasons and maybe we should, but there's so many reasons. <laughs> 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 Next 10 podcasts for... <laughs> I, I love it. I would love to. Um, 
so actually, as a side note, let me recommend this book. I'll hold it up for you to see, Val, but I'm just going to mention this to people. This is by Kenneth E. e. Hagen. This is called Tongues oh, yeah. Beyond the Upper Room. Have, yep. you, have you seen this? Have you, this? This is a compilation of almost all of his teachings on, on speaking in tongues. I have not seen that. They put this wow. out in, because, you know, he, he went to home to be with the Lord in 03. Yeah, they put this out in 07. Oh, yeah, I remember the funeral. The internet could not handle his funeral. <laughs> oh, my gosh. It was bu- you talking about breaking the internet. Dad Hagen's funeral, it broke the internet. <laughs> Seriously. Um, but that, that this book is called Tongues Beyond the Upper Room by Kenneth E. Hagen. And he, he actually goes systematically. Th- it's the best work I've seen so far that just systematically goes through all of the different, you know, maybe arguments that people have against speaking in tongues or reasons why they're not sure, you know. Mm-hmm. So that's a very systematic, awesome resource. But I just wanted to speak to, I think, one thing real quick. There's, I think, the biggest thing for people, because you'll, you'll get people that are just adamantly against it for whatever reason. And there's reasons oh, yeah. why. And, and we can, you know, again, that can be dealt with by just looking at the scripture and showing people that the word of God mm-hmm. does not say anything about mm-hmm. it passing away. You can disprove that from scripture. You can disprove all these things. But what I'm, what I'm hearing a lot is people will acknowledge that speaking in tongues is, is for today, but mm-hmm. they don't recognize the importance. And I'm talking about speaking in tongues as part of being baptized in the Holy Spirit as what we've been talking yes. about, rivers of living yes. water flowing out. So me personally, I am on this soapbox where I'm trying to, I mean, I'm telling people it's absolutely essential that we're baptized in the Holy Spirit absolutely. and speaking in other tongues. I'm not saying that it's a condition of salvation because it's not. You no. can go to heaven. and Some people got, got, uh, some, some people got off into a ditch. Right. And there was a time, and Dad Hagen, uh, the, the book you're speaking of, the author of that book, he had to speak to that during that time that people would get off into a ditch. Before he died, there were some people that got off into a ditch on their teaching on giving, sowing, and reaping. And he had to call the, the folks back to uh, Broken Era and uh, uh, have a discussion. He did. He sat him down. And then, then you know, write a book. But, it, well, he had it, had it published. I'm sure it was just all of his teaching. But, yeah, just a, a, a funny little thing about I think that Dad Hagen's speaking in tongues, oh, the way he spoke in tongues, his language, his prayer language, like people know it. Yeah. That's what's funny. <laughs> like they know it. And I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna copy it, but my my son was in Africa. And he met a guy from some other part of the world. I don't know. He was at Harvest School. And he said, yeah, you know, Dad Hagen. And the guy started to say what Dad Hagen's prayer language sounded like. And I was like, you know what? That's true. Because he would. He, would, he, he just made it normal. I, yeah. um, and I know you want to talk about, you know, how important it is. I think it's normalizing it is what's important. I used to have a, a, I've always been involved with young people, you know, younger than me. So, but I, but I had a kids ministry at a church uh, up in Everett before we moved down here. And I wanted speaking in tongues to be very normal. I didn't want to have to have the big emotion. I had some friends that had a big church south of us and I, we would do camps. I would do camps with them. And one year at a kid's camp, I got so many kids and even some of the leaders baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues. And I think the evidence sometimes can even come later. I will say that. I don't think it has to be right away. I do, I do believe that sometimes, I, and that's a whole nother conversation, but, yeah. but kids are easy. Kids are simple. You just explain it to them. They, they just, get faith yeah. like that. They believe it. Man. Faith like a child. They uh, do it. My yeah. daughter was Four, Mikey was two. We don't even know with Scott Harris. I just <laughs> he was watching cartoons one day, and I said, "Mike, is he? Is, can can you just go around the front of him and look at his mouth for a minute?" And Mike comes over, he goes, "He's speaking in tongues." And I was like, "When did that happen? <laughs> I don't know. It's like Wednesday." Anyway, but uh, they, uh, but the the thing was, is I want to make it normal for the kids, and I would. We'd be eating a snack. You, know, you have snacks in kids' church. Kids' church got to be fun. Don't make it boring. Kids won't want to come back. But I uh, I make it normal. All right. You eating your snack. You're done eating your snack. Okay, everybody pray in tongues. 
Mm-hmm. Let's practice praying in tongues. And we never made anybody feel bad. And I had some people are saying, well, you left kids out. And I'm like, well, you know, participation trophy generation, yay for us. <laughs> but we, but we, right. what we would do is, is I would just, you know, we would minister those kids. I remember a, a friend of mine, uh, their son got baptized in the Holy Spirit during a worship service in the kids' yeah. ministry. Yeah. And it wasn't anybody telling him what to do. It's not weird like some of those movies. We never told the kids the word to say. We just told them what would happen, what they, and kids just walk in it. We'd be playing a game. We get done with the game. Okay, we're praying in tongues for, you know, we pray in tongues for 60 seconds. Okay, well, let's, now it's time to do this, you know. Yeah. Just making it a normal part I mean, I I pray in tongues all the time. I mean, I speak, I I pray, allow the Holy Spirit to use my words to establish the will of God on this earth as often as I can. Amen. That's what I do. I pray. I mean, all the time. All the, and I, you don't have to make a big deal of it. You don't have to freak people out. I, I have I have some new friends, and they're more from the they're they're. They're from a, they're they're from a different country, and they're the the Baptist stream. Thank God for Baptists, man. They just yeah. say witness to everything yeah. and anything, and you get a spirit filled Baptist person that they they'll you die they'll raise you back and make sure you know they're yeah, yeah. I mean yeah. they've got us hands down, but I but I will tell you that. Uh, that, it, that I would never freak them out. I mean, we started talking about prophecy one day, and I could tell this wonderful woman was just, she, amazing woman of God. She was very uncomfortable with what I said, and she came back with, you know, the scripture. It's in Peter, Second Peter or something. It's like everybody gets, you know, one scripture, and boy, I'm telling you, it's doctrine. But, and I'm like, well, no, okay. And I didn't want to get into it with her, but I, you know what the cool thing was, uh, Justin, that I, I was able to pray for her that night. And I just saw her recently and she goes, I got a, you prayed for me to have a job. I got a job the very next day. Right. Come on. I'm not saying that's because I pray in tongues, but when I was praying for her, I very quietly under my breath, just for a moment during the prayer felt like I needed to, you know, so I just, but I, you don't have to do it to freak people out. If you have a tongue that you think is coming out and is, I mean, sometimes you just got to boldly start praying. God is not limited. I think that is the biggest, most important, you know, I have, you know, I have my, uh, my doctrinal statements. One, God is not a jerk, you know, you know, Number two, you know, the, those, the, the Bible is the best interpreter of the Bible. Don't yeah. get your, you know, don't get your doctrine from a Hallmark card uh, or a Christian song. Oh, Come on. I have a songwriter in my life, and she goes to all these good songwriting things with all these wonderful artists. And I said, will you please tell them to please read their Bible before they write yeah. their song? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's a whole other conversation as well. <laughs> Yeah, it is. Don't not not every worship song is meant to be proclaimed, mm-hmm. uh, but I, I think that the diverse kinds of tongues. God, the God is not limited. There are right. there are, there are many types and purposes and reasons for that spring for that yeah. river to come out of us. Paul said, "I speak in tongues more than you all." Well, then let's yeah. get on the Paul train. Let's get on the Paul train. One of the arguments people will say, well, Paul didn't have a very, very high value of tongues. He didn't talk about, well, goodness, you get into your Bible. He says, I pray in tongues more than ye all. Talking to the whole Corinthian church. He prays, and they were all about, they were speaking in tongues so much that he had to correct them and bring them down a notch. (laughs) Guys, you guys are speaking in tongues too much. Here's how you're supposed to actually do it. Oh, and by the way, I speak in tongues more than you all. Yeah. And so I, I believe that, you know, just more understanding, and this is what I said at the very beginning, was that if we have more understanding, we will receive what the Word says. It really just boils down to what are we focused on? My husband and I didn't know, my, we knew you're supposed to tithe, you know, and it was more out of a, gosh, don't, you know, you just do it, you know, and it. You just do it. Yeah. Uh, but understanding giving, sowing, and reaping was a what we came we came into that later in our 
well, midway through our marriage. And I remember the first time we had a check in our hand and my husband had, Mike had the check in his hand. He put my hand on top of his and said, all right, we're going to pray over our offering. And I was like, looking at him like, what? We began to learn about that. And we learned about healing. Yeah. Well, you're talking about results. You've already... Yeah, we're talking about results and 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 you learn about it. You learn about yeah. what's in the word. You learn about it. and and our again, I went from one word when I got baptized in the Holy Spirit to a greater understanding and I'm still getting greater understanding. Yeah. I'm still getting greater understanding and with the more greater understanding you get, the more you can receive from it, operate in it and and partner with God. And the older I get, I find that it's not as much I know the results will come. It's the partnering with God. As you partner with God, I don't seek angels. That is the last thing in the world. I'm finding that I am a seer of angels. I just had to come to that revelation one day. Mm -hmm. I was like, I I would see things and then I would look in the word. I was like, oh, well, that was, that was a, that was a angelic being. And I begin to dive into the word about what angels are. I mean, you know, what's his name? What's his name that wrote uh, uh, the Da Vinci Code? I mean, he wrote Angels and Demons. He's, he's got nothing on me. Man, I'm telling you, I got, I, got, I got a lot in the word. I'm gaining more and more understanding yeah. of angels. What, you know, they're all sent to minister, as ministering spirits, right. you know, but gaining greater understanding. And it, all it is, it's not so I can be the big angel person. It's so that I can partner with God in bringing thy kingdom come, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That's yeah. the big thing. Yeah. Everywhere and in everybody's life. And that's why I think it's so important that we do, um, like you said, the right, the right type of teaching. That's so important mm-hmm. in, a, in, a, in a normalizing, mm-hmm. you know, if... If we and actually, I know I'm thinking of somebody right now who is going to my church now down here, who was kicked out of a of a different church in the area because they started sharing about how they were seeing angels, and you know, and that was weird to them, and they didn't, you know, and so they thought it was wrong, and so they just basically didn't want anything to do with them, and so they came to this church and they were accepted, and so, but like, we have to normalize the supernatural. It's not this weird yes. crazy stuff. It's not what you see on movies and all that. What a joke! All these things on movies, yeah are meant to create a false image of these things. And I believe it's from Satan mm-hmm. to create a false image to the church that we're going to, we're going to push down the supernatural to the point. We're going to relegate it to this weird, uh, you know, hyper spiritual weirdness, paranormal activity yep. stuff to, to, to where it's just mm-hmm. this weird stuff. I mean, do you know how many demons I saw cast out in my dialysis career? <laughs> yeah. I mean, guys, like, the reality of the spiritual warfare that's going on cannot be overlooked. It's so real. And it's so not like the movies. It's just so simple. When you see a demon cast out the power of, I just remember the first demon I saw cast out in Portland, Oregon. It was crazy, but I just remember this, this feeling, right? This, this, this manifestation, I don't know how to explain it of all I know is that it, it felt like an ant, a little sugar ant, right? That was the demon, right? It felt like a sugar ant. Uh Uh-huh. And then a dump truck of rocks. I mean, I'm talking a full-size dump truck of rocks just unloaded on this ant. That's what it felt like when the power of God came on the scene and the demon was cast out. It wasn't this crazy, weird exorcist stuff. Literally, it was the power of God comes out and then a person was delivered. A person was delivered. You know, it's interesting that you had the picture of the ant. You know, the early church. I've done a lot of study in the early church. And one thing Dad Hagen taught us is that you can learn something from anyone. And there's not, so I listened to a, an author, N.T. Wright, and he and, and, and other people. I've been on a journey the last couple of years of learning about the early church. And when I say that, I'm talking about the biblical early church. Right. So you yes. say, well, you just have to read the Bible. Well, Yes, but reading historical documents or learning from historical documents, which sometimes the smartest thing you can do is go to the really smart people that will teach you, and then you don't have to go through it all. But uh, the surrounding historical documents, the Apocrypha is a surrounding historical document. Um, To all my Catholic brothers and sisters in the Catholic Church, Roman Catholic Church, I'm sorry. I don't believe that it's, it's not canonized. However, it's important. 
Josephus, important. So I've been learning about the early church plus the early church, like, you know, 100 years out, you know, from uh, when Jesus died and rose again and, and learning about that. And even into the, you know, second, third century, uh, this is an important time of the church and understanding what we have today is part of that is going back and, and understanding that. But the early church, Justin, I've seen artwork from the early church and I saw this picture once and I was like, that's weird. It looks like like the, it's, it was like a yellow background. It was like parchment. And then there was these little black things and they looked like ants. Hmm. They weren't ants. The, the caption on the bottom was, this was an early church depiction of uh, evil spirits, demons. Really? And wow. I just, and it, it was, and, it, and they were little tiny. And that's the reality because what did Jesus say? We are raised up, seated in heaven in places far above all rule, power, and yep. authority. Yep. We are in him. Yep. We are seated at the right hand of the Father. Look to your left and there is Papa. Come on. He's right there. Yeah. We're right next to him. And so as we live out our earthly existence in that spiritual reality, and then we're just like, okay, Holy Spirit, you're going to pray through me yes. in the spirit. Yes. Because you know it all. And that's where we get that. We can move things worldwide. Uh, I was praying in the spirit on the back of the motorcycle once. Great place to go. It doesn't bother Mike because he speaks in tongues too. But uh, no one can hear me anyway. But I was praying in the spirit and God leads me for uh, nations to pray for. So uh, uh, North Korea, I'm going there, Justin. One of these days I'm going there. I got an application. North Korea, prayed for North Korea for several years. I prayed for Bhutan, the country of Bhutan, which is just kind of the North Darjeeling, India up there. God yeah. is doing great things in Bhutan. Very closed off nation, but, but God is opening the doors. Thank God for Oxford University. Uh, the uh, uh, pray So one day I'm like, Lord, what do you want me? To, what nation do you want me to focus on? And by the way, when I focus on a nation and the Lord gives me, I just go to Operation World. And then I just click on the nation and it tells me what to pray. And then I can pray in the spirit, but I was praying in the spirit and I, in my, in, in a vision, I could see myself coming up over the Northern polar cap and coming down over uh, the, the top of the, you know, the large continent of Asia and then moving towards the continent of Africa. And of course, Africa is a continent and there's only one country called Africa and that's South Africa and that's at the bottom and that's a country on the continent. So when you go to Africa, please be specific because there's a lot of different Africa, but anyways, I'm coming over the continent of Africa. I see this highlighted nation and I hear the nation Chad. Mm. And there was a lot of uprising in Northern Africa, probably always is. We just don't get it in the news because it's not important to be, we all important Americans. But, but there was a, a uprising of the, of the Al-Qaeda, the, the list is what the Al-Qaeda means. But the, there was an uprising and I had no idea. So I started praying for the country of Chad. And I did not realize that it bordered on those northern nations in mm -hmm. Africa where there was so much unrest. And all of a sudden, I see this man, and he has his back to me. And he's a, a man that was born and raised, and he, had, he was, you know, dark skin. There are people that live there that have all different colors of skin, but he had very dark skin. And he was standing, and I could tell he was wearing a suit, and he turned and looked at me, and he had a Bible under his arm. I know what his face looks like. I may meet him in heaven. I may meet him on earth. But mm. I put, whenever I think of him, I pray in the spirit yeah. because God knows who he is. God showed him to me for a reason. He might be a political leader who's a Christian. He might be a very pastor. He might be a business. I don't know who he is. But I pray for him in the spirit. And someday I will know what I prayed because I am praying in the tongues of men and angels. Yeah. And that's what the Holy Spirit is telling me to do. He's praying through me the perfect will of God Amen. for that man. You know, and there's just so many, so many, so many millions of stories being raised in the assemblies of God, all the mission stories of people praying yeah. at four in the morning in the spirit for this specific missionary. And they're praying in tongues. And at that moment, whatever the afternoon time was, that missionary was crossing a river yeah. and ran into a killer bee hornet nest or whatever and was about bitten, you know, just to get, I mean, it was sure. in our mouth and everywhere. And the person survived. 
right. and they lived. You know, there, there, it just, you know, there is evidence. We have to look at the evidence. That's why it's called the evidence of speaking. Of there's evidence yeah. that there's, uh, there's evidence yes, everywhere. There yes, there is. And, and not that there is an evidence of amazing people of God that we have no record of them ever walking in this part. And they are amazing people of God. You know, the great Billy Graham, don't know if he ever spoke in tongues. That's not mine to know. But I know that man had, when he got to heaven, I'll tell you, there was a crowd waiting for him. That's right. And, and so when, so we don't, we don't say this. And I, and I say that people that have not gotten healed in their life are not walked in, in healing. You know, uh, Fanny Crosby was blind and she, she wrote hymns that just literally hit the nail on the head and how many thousands, you know, so, so we, we have heroes of the faith and we follow them in that. But the biggest thing we follow is the word of God and to get more understanding from the Bible about the Bible, the context of the Bible. So we yes. can understand more of the Bible. Yes, absolutely. And get Bible results and we'll get the That's Bible right. results. Well, yeah. as we close, cause we're out of time, we're, we're, we'll have to just quit. We, we, we're not going to finish. There's no way to finish this. There isn't. Praise the Lord. There isn't. There isn't. <laughs> you know, I just wanted to mention that like praying in the spirit, praying in other tongues allows the Holy Spirit to pray through you. We don't know mm-hmm. what to pray for mm-hmm. as we are. In Romans chapter eight, verse 26, or sorry, 20, it is 26. I, I had it flipped to the wrong one. It says, likewise, the spirit also helps in our weaknesses. It says he helps in our weaknesses. Well, what is that weakness? He specifically is talking about this weakness here. It says, for we do not know what we should pray for as we ought. We said it earlier. We don't know how to pray in our natural understanding. You don't know how to, if you wouldn't have asked the Lord, you know, what to pray for, you know, Chad, I mean, that's, you could have come up, you could have closed your eyes and and spun a globe and put your finger on it and started praying for another nation in your native language. And that would have brought a blessing Mm -hmm. and that would have brought good things to that nation. Absolutely. Operation World, they'll tell you what to pray for, you know, generally. Yeah. Yeah. But how much more do we want? I mean, goodness, what if the Holy Spirit really wants to get something done in that area? And you can be his vessel and you can mm-hmm. say, yeah, Holy Spirit, use me in prayer. Use me in this special, this prayer language where I don't know how to pray for as I ought. I think I have the classic, I think I have the classic version. Let me read it in the classic amplified. Yeah. Um, yeah. So too, the Holy Spirit comes to our aid, bears us up in our weakness for we do not know how, we do not know what prayer to offer, nor how to offer it worthily as we ought. But the Spirit himself goes to meet our supplication and pleads in our behalf with unspeakable yearnings and groanings to deep for utterance. Man. In layman's term, the Holy Spirit moves freight through us. Thank you for listening to the Unstoppable Podcast. For more resources, including previous episodes, blogs, and free downloadable content, visit us at unstoppableblog.net. You can also find us on Facebook at Unstoppable Blog. We hope this podcast has encouraged, equipped, and empowered you with meaningful insight from the Word of God to receive His promises and live a life without limits.